podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, I know I usually say 12 and 14 and who knows how many. And from reports we're getting now, like it is 10, uh, it will potentially be 14 if Oklahoma and Texas stick around. Uh, it will be 12 after they leave. Oh, but Mike Gundy went on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio and mentioned that he thinks they'll add two more teams so that it might be 14 again. So... The Big 12 Conference, all the teams, however many that is, including some from the future, right? Talk about Houston basketball. They've been quite good, made their Elite Eight run. We're going to talk about UCF softball a little bit today because we're going to talk about the teams when they get here. We have a Houston show, Scott and Holman Podcast, as part of the 1012 Network. I'm rambling. It's okay. Uh, We have a loaded, loaded, loaded show. Speaking of Big 12 Radio, Robbie Triano, producer on Big 12 Radio. He's going to join us to talk about spring football. Spring football is underway for all the teams in the Big 12. Talk about some of the big questions that we have this spring. A little bit of Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas Tech. You're going to want to hear that. Uh, Also, Daniel Alexander, our pro picker, is going to join us. We're going to talk about betting for Kansas, the Final Four, National Championship game. Really good stuff there. I think that is, it's been one of our, it's the best conversation about betting we've had since we started doing it at the beginning of the tournament i've gotten better each week that's all i'm gonna say um before we get to all that stuff and it's a lot uh, it's a long episode so bear with me we gotta talk softball that's how we start our shows on thursdays is with softball with our good friend miranda elish who i know right now is stressfully glued to this texas louisiana game that's currently tied 4-4 heading into the seventh inning yeah i'm a little bit stressed out right now with the tie game um you call me miranda elish but that's okay. If I was her, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be oh mad gosh. about it because she, uh, she uh, is a pretty good pitcher for Oklahoma State. <laughs> this is the second time I've called you Miranda. I'm sorry. I spent a bunch of research before we yeah, started did, on Miranda. She did Ellis. great. And so I've got like Miranda <laughs> Ellish on the brain. Uh, it, part of it's my OSU fandom. Sorry, part of it is I did. I, I, I 
look, we can talk, start with Oklahoma State. They swept Texas Tech quite convincingly this past weekend. Uh, you picked them to go 3-0, and OSU. I conservatively said 2-1. and uh, You were right. I was wrong. I'm okay with that. It's, it was a win-win for me. Like, ah, oh, they, they won all three. I'm cool. Uh, but the, the thing I really want to know with Ellis is like, she's, it's not just that the hitting is there and she's, she's hitting the ball very well. She had a grand slam, uh, two home runs, if I remember correctly, against Texas Tech on, on Sunday. And I think every cowgirl had an RBI on Sunday. But Randy Lilish, at one point through the first 12 games, her, 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 bleh, her ERA as a pitcher, which is what she was really brought in for, was 5.4. Far for point four. It was awful. Twelve innings. She uh, or five. Yeah. Don't ask me. I'm now. I'm now. I'm completely frazzled. This is terrible. Great, great job, Philip. Miranda Elish, through twelve games, had a five point four ERA. She's got that all the way down to two point three eight. She is hitting the ball well. She's pitching incredibly well. We've talked about this some, but like the Miranda Elish that the Oklahoma State needs. They're going to make this postseason run that they're going to try and do and get to Oklahoma City again and try and win more than one game. That is exactly what they are getting from her right now. Yeah, this is a girl Ken, Coach Kenny Gajewski thought he was getting when she transferred in from Texas. Had a great game, game two, won that game nine and up and went five innings, one earned run, five strikeouts. Not too many strikeouts, but was really efficient, only throwing 66 pitches. Also got herself, uh, got herself a couple home runs, so she's doing it both in the circle and at the plate she's helping herself out and she's uh finding her groove yeah let's see uh current as her current batting average is a 0.462 um she's got four home runs most of those have come recently but look the the entire oklahoma state offense is figuring things out as well uh tracked home runs to the first 22 games of the season oklahoma state had 25 home runs They've got 24 in the last nine, nine straight games with a home run. Uh, that includes tonight's win or, or Wednesday night's win over Tulsa, which is a 10-0, five-inning win. Uh, Oklahoma State, and look, obviously the level of competition has has drastically come down. No offense to Texas Tech, but we're talking Tulsa's, Wichita State's, Texas Tech's, uh, Kansas City. Wichita State, very different than what they were facing early on against Stanford and Minnesota and Texas A&M and out at St. Pete Clearwater with like five ranked teams in five days. Like it, It's a very different level of competition, but I mean, they were still struggling against teams like DePaul and, um, you know, Cal Baptist. Like it does feel different and not just because the level of the competition has come down. It does feel like this Oklahoma State team really is playing at the level we expected at the beginning of the season. It's just taking them a little bit longer to get there than we thought. Yeah, going into conference play, this is the right time to heat up. In their last three games, they have 12 home runs total. I know we talked about that game three when they had six home runs, five just in the first inning. Right now they're second in the Big 12. They got 48 home runs. They're hitting 322, um, 150, um, 155 RBI. So they're heating up at the right time going into conference play. Hopefully they can keep that momentum uh, going into this weekend. Uh, we're going to make picks for all the Big 12 series. Oklahoma has got two games against UAB this weekend, one Friday, one Saturday. They're not in Big 12 play because there's only seven teams. But Oklahoma State on the road in Waco to face a Baylor team that got swept by Oklahoma. But, I mean, Baylor had OU on Sunday. They were up 1-0. And then 
They went from up to down 3-1, and the game was over uh, on a beautiful home run. Baylor played Oklahoma really well on Sunday. Look, the rest of the series, five inning, five inning, that was it. But they played them well Sunday. Turn that around, which is really disappointing for me for Baylor. Turn that around on Tuesday and drop a home game against Incarnate Word. I do still think this Baylor team is good. I do like this Baylor team. I don't want to sound like I just don't want to pick Oklahoma State to go 3-0. I probably should pick them to go 3-0 the way they are playing. Ben, I'm, you know what? I'm gonna. I, I hate to I hate to be that way, but I think I'm going to pick Oklahoma State to go 3-0 this weekend on the road in Waco against Baylor. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You have to pick them to go 3-0. Baylor's just way too inconsistent, whether it's pitching, whether it's hitting, they just can't seem to put it all together. They played really well in that game three against Oklahoma. Orman went 6.2 innings, gave up three earned runs against Oklahoma, three earned runs. That's pretty good. Don't you think? But four walks, mm-hmm. the walks is, is what's going to kill you. And then for Oklahoma Trotwine, she had herself a game set, went seven innings, 13 Ks. So um, she did a good job carrying them through. Yeah. Like I said, Baylor's inconsistencies, especially the way Oklahoma state is playing Maxwell. She's, She's doing phenomenal. That first game against um, against Texas Tech went seven innings, zero earned runs, 16 Ks, just phenomenal. Especially if Elish gets on the ball rolling in the pitching circle, there's I just don't see Baylor picking up a win. I think Oklahoma State gets a clean sweep against Baylor this weekend. I would expect a close game. Baylor is at home, right? It, it, it does change things a bit. I would expect closer games between Baylor and Oklahoma State than we saw against Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Uh so that, that wraps up. we got two other series this weekend in Big 12 play. Iowa State's opening Big 12 play this week. They, they did not last week. Uh, they played BYU. It did not go well. Um, a little bit disappointing from the Cyclones. Played three games in Provo and, uh, and lost all three. Saturday and Sunday. Saturday's doubleheader second game, 5-0 loss. Sun, or, man, forget that. They went 0-3. <laughs> Gosh, I am fumbling through this. Sorry. I can't watch this Texas-Louisiana game that I've got on my phone and do this. I shouldn't watch TV and podcast at the same time. It's not a good idea. Okay. Iowa State opening Big 12 play with Texas. Speaking of teams that are playing incredibly well right now, I mean, Texas absolutely is. They, they You look at them, and those nine losses all came earlier in the season. And, they, and there was a, a run of them. We saw them struggle against really good competition early on. Again, while the level of competition has lowered, Texas does seem to be kind of finding its groove just in time, similar to Oklahoma State. Yeah, that game one made me a little nervous. They, uh, Estelle Trek was in the circle for them, only went 3.2 innings, gave up seven hits, five earned runs. Kansas lit off the game with the home run, but I was really proud of the way that Texas fought for the win. Dulcini came in and shut the door going 3.1 innings, only giving up two hits. Had seven Ks. Um, Texas had no errors that game, which is great because they've had 40 errors on the season. Um, There's a lot of pitches thrown in that game, but I was really proud about that. Getting the uh, win on game two, nine to two, Dulcini, another gem going 6.2 innings, 10 Ks, zero earned runs. Uh, I'm going to brag on Dulcini a little bit. In her last five starts, she's 5-0 with a 0.27 ERA, has 40 Ks, nine walks. Batters strike out 42.6% of the times. That's great. Um, just really proud of the way things are going for Texas, um, fighting for wins, getting quality wins. So really uh, happy about where they're going. The pitching's coming together. Dulcini is what Mike White thought she would be coming into her own. So really proud again about that. She's in the circle right now. Those four runs on the board are unearned, by the way. 
So she's doing a phenomenal job. Really proud of Texas and what they're doing so far. Uh, Iowa State, Texas. Look, this game, this series is in Austin. I had high hopes for Iowa State this year. I am coming down from those. I think this is a Texas three-game sweep. Totally agree. Um, <laughs> I mean, I sound very biased, I know, but I think it's going to be a three-game uh, sweep for Texas. It's going to be a great atmosphere there at McCombs Field. Wish I could be there, especially Sunday, because they're having Bark at the Park. Today is my dog's third birthday. Would love to take her out there, but just don't have time this weekend. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure she would love it. Uh, the other series this weekend, our first opportunity to see a couple of the non-OU OSU Texas teams facing off. Kansas traveling to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. And I think this is, might be the first time where you and I really might differ on our view on this. Um, look, uh, both Kansas, I think, performed better overall against Texas last weekend than Texas Tech did. Texas Tech was not in any of those games. Uh, I was really interested to see how Kendall Fritz would do. She had a really nice write-up in Softball America. You guys should go read it. Um, she's Texas Tech's leading pitcher, um, and she's she's done a phenomenal job this season. Um, she struggled against Oklahoma State, had a, had a rough outing on Friday, and then Sunday, I, it was four pitchers in the first inning, and the game was over after the after one. I I feel better about her than I do what Kansas is going to bring. I think I think this is going to be a close series. I think this is. I don't think anyone sweeps this. This feels like a two-one situation. I like Kendall Fritz. I like what she's been able to do. Um, I still like Texas Tech. They've had a very, very difficult schedule. Another seven and fifteen. They've had a lot of close calls. I they are eleven and two at home. I think Texas Tech wins this series two one. I'm gonna have to agree with you there. I think I think Tech is gonna win the series two one, and I say that just because Tech is the home team. But I think it's gonna be a pretty close series. Tech is seventh, which is last in batting in the Big Twelve. Kansas is sixth again with pitching. Texas Tech six, Kansas is last. So you never know which way it's going to go. Kansas did get a big win today against Missouri, a big SEC team, 11 to seven. And they played Texas a little bit tougher, like you said, than uh, Tech did with Oklahoma State. So I'm going to go 2 1 Tech just because uh, Tech is at home. Uh, as I mentioned, Kendall Fritz, ERA of 2.51. Kansas' best pitcher, Katie Brooks, 4.48, followed by Savannah DeRochier at 4.53. Casey Hamilton at 5.2. Like, I just, I feel better about Texas Tech, especially if Fritz can go for, if Fritz can go for two games. Um, I, I feel better about them coming out of this 2-1. And, and and they might get the sweep, but I think Kansas, the non-OU, OSU, Texas teams have enough flaws that anybody can beat anybody, which is going to be the struggle for those teams trying to make the postseason. I still feel good about Texas Tech potentially doing so. Uh, looking at the updated, um, RPI uh, for softball at the moment. Obviously, OU, OSU, o, and Texas all top 11. Um, let's go through and see what the updated numbers are. Texas Tech is 62nd, which is um, less than ideal. Um, Baylor is 37th. Again, well, I felt pretty good about them. Uh, and Iowa State is 78. Um, again, I picked Baylor last week. We talked about it. I feel better about Baylor. Um Again, I think OSU, I think OSU sweeps them, but I feel better about Baylor in this spot. So I will take Texas Tech two to one. You will take Texas Tech two to one. Man, um, I feel good. I feel good about those picks. We're gonna have to. Uh, we gotta do something here because it's not very interesting when we just pick the same thing. 
games every week. <laughs> I'm almost got to just go. I'm gonna let you pick first next week, and I'm gonna pick okay. one to just go against you on. We got some interesting stuff next weekend. Could be interesting. It could be interesting. OSU at Iowa State, Oklahoma at Texas Tech, Baylor at Kansas. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Melina, not Miranda. Ha <laughs> I'm going to uh, over under on how many more times I do that the, this season. Yeah, let's go with three. I'm going to take the over. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you like me. Uh, <laughs> Melina, you're awesome as always. We will do this again uh, next week. As I mentioned, two fantastic guests coming up. Robbie Triano to talk spring football. Daniel Alexander to talk betting. I promise I will keep trying to get better at this whole softball talking thing. I can watch it. I understand it. I love it. I may not be the best talking about it, but I, I'm going to I'm gonna keep. This is why I didn't do this alone. This is why Melina is here, because she's smarter than I am about this. Okay. That's why she's here. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with two great interviews. Current and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course, the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. All right, Final Four is on Saturday, National Championship on Monday. We know we have a Big 12 play, team playing on Saturday, hoping we have a Big 12 team playing on Monday. So that means we've got to talk about the betting lines for this weekend. That means Daniel Alexander, our pro picker of Grinders with Blinders, joining us again. Daniel, welcome back, bud. So great to be here. What a uh, fun weekend of basketball last weekend. And uh, yeah, Big 12 fans. Kansas keeping it rolling. Let me just jump right in and, and follow up from our pod from last week. Uh, you threw out a bunch of lines uh, for final, teams Final Four. Uh, that MGM had posted and Kansas's price to make the final four was only minus 175, I believe. Mm -hmm. And we thought that was a good price. Like that was, I, I didn't do the exact math, but I would go as far as to say that was a better price than had you just money lined them two games in a row to get to where they are now. So, um, Hey, we cashed that. We saw some value and Kansas won both games and here they are sitting in the final four. And as it sits right now, they are four and a half point favorites over Villanova. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. What are your takes? As, 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 as the king of things, Big 12 in the podcast world, how are you reacting just to them being there? Not in the betting sense. I mean, I, it's good for the Big 12. And we posted a graphic on Twitter and on Instagram um, on, on two, or Monday. Big 12 is the only conference to have a Final Four team in four straight NCAA tournaments. Oh. 18, 19, 21, and 22. And Kansas, and, and we've had Kansas, Baylor, and Texas Tech all do it. And if Kansas makes the national championship game, we'll have three straight national championship games that include a Big 12 team and potentially two straight Big 12 winners. And like the Big 12 continues to build its reputation. People are saying it's the best conference, but you still get the like, uh, but the ACC, uh, but the Big 10. And like at a certain point, it's one th it was one thing when it was just Kansas all the time, right? But now you have Kansas. Now you have Baylor. Now you have Texas Tech. Um, even with Texas and, and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC in the near future, like I just named three teams, Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, who are all staying in the Big 12. So I think it's time to put 
the respect that the Big 12 actually deserves, like the kind of like ACC circle jerking that used to go on all the time about how great that conference was. Like, let's get a little bit towards the Big 12 because it's overdue and it is deserved, especially if Kansas not only makes the national championship game this year, wins their final four game against Villanova, but wins the national championship. Like, it's it's time. It's time. And this year, six teams to the second round, three in the Sweet 16, a final four team for the fourth time in four straight tournaments. I don't want to hear any more about the ACC and the Big 10. The Big 12 deserves it. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about this game between Kansas and Villanova. I'm, I'm intrigued by the line only being four and a half for Kansas, just minus four and a half. Um, what does that say to you about the impact of Justin Moore for Villanova, who was their second leading scorer, arguably maybe their second best player on that team? He's out. He had he, he injured his Achilles against Houston. Uh, he's out for a while. He will not be playing in this game. What does this line tell you about the impact Vegas views of him not playing in this game against Kansas? Um, you know, metrically speaking, you know, however you want to put it, like as far as like how it affects the line, I think it's a little smaller than maybe the narrative that's going to happen in the media. You know, leading up to this game, you're going to hear a ton um, about more being out and, you know, what he means to Villanova and, um, you know, it's already a great team defense, you know, even with him not in there, it's a great team defense, but you know what he adds to it. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of chatter, a lot of narrative about that, but really, you know, I think this line was really only affected uh, about one point. So, you know, between these two very good teams, um, this player not being on the floor, you know, affects the game, maybe one possession. When you look at it, you know, uh, you know, we have a total of 133. So, you know, Vegas thinks this, this game is going to be somewhere, you know, in sort of the mid sixties for each team, you know, they're, they're talking, uh, Kansas is going to win this thing, you know, sort of 68 to 63, 69, 63, something like that. Um, so I, I think ultimately the impact you're going to hear more on the narrative and less on the actual spread itself, because look, uh, Jay Wright, great coach. This team's going to be ready to play. Villanova, uh, they've already, they have they have minutes this year without more on the floor. They know what they're doing. Uh, this is a Final Four team for a reason. This is a little bit of a big line. Four and a half is, uh, I mean, you're asking Kansas to go win this thing by, you know, five or six. You know, you're talking any more than that, and you're talking about almost a double-digit win by Kansas. I'm a little surprised. These are two great teams that are prepared no one, you know, St. Peter's is gone. That was a great run, but, you know, there, there's no more. I'm just happy to be here or Cinderella stories going on. These, you no, know. There's, there's four blue bloods in this turn in this final four. Yeah. And yes, yeah. Villanova is a blue blood, folks. Like you win two titles in the last, what, six years, seven years, three yeah. total, five final fours since 2009. I think like this is a blue blood program in Villanova. So, I mean, I like the answer to that question. Um, Kansas, like we said, at four and a half. What are your thoughts on, on, on this line, Justin Moore aside, and this matchup? My gut tells me Kansas is going to win this game. That's just how it feels. It feels like they're playing a little bit more of a consistent tournament, although Villanova's played some great games. There's just something about Kansas where I feel like the minutes are more productive minute to minute in every game. 
I think four and a half is also a big spread for a tight game like this. I mean, if this total drops at all, it gets sort of down to the, maybe the 132, 131. I mean, we're literally talking about a game where both teams are going to be in the low 60s here. That's a tight game. Jay Wright knows what he's doing. He's comfortable playing a tight game. I, I mean, it feels like I'm sort of taking each side here. I think Villanova covers. I think Kansas wins. I think this is literally going to be like a three or four point win for Kansas. Um, so I will have real money down on Villanova just to cover the game. I think Kansas is going to the championship. I mean, to be fair, looking at Kansas's road to get here, you beat a 16 seed by almost 30, uh, nine seed by seven, four seed by five, and a 10 seed by what, 14? 24, 26. Oh, don't ask me to do math right now. Uh, meanwhile, Villanova, 15 seed by 20, 7 seed by 10, a an 11 seed by 8, a 5 seed by 6. And so I, I, I don't feel like I can look through what these two teams have done because it feels like pretty comparable performance in the tournament. Um, Vegas doesn't think Justin Moore's loss is a huge loss. I would assume losing your second best player is going to have a major impact when you get to this point in the tournament. Um, obviously, it's it's one game. You just you, you just had to go out and win. It's, you just don't know. But I I think I lean on Kansas. Look, I I've talked about this. I know all the talk right now is on Duke, Feel, team of destiny, Coach K's final season. Did you know it was Coach K's final season? I don't, I don't know if you had heard about that. Uh, <laughs> going to win the whole thing. We'll talk about national championship odds, but right now they're the odds on favorite to win the national championship. I mean, with Kansas, like this has been a, th- I almost think there's a three year story that's been building here. Had a real shot was going to be like the number one overall seed two years ago. Tournament gets canceled. Last year has a real shot. COVID hits them right in the big 12 tournament and wrecks their season. And now you come here, they're playing. Remy Martin's playing the way everyone thought he would when he was brought into Lawrence Kansas is playing incredibly well. Uh, I know Duke is the team of destiny, but I made the joke a couple weeks ago. I was like, it's, I'm going to laugh when Duke makes it to the national championship game and loses there because based off of how the regular season ended and the ACC tournament ended for Duke, that feels like poetic justice for just kind of how the things have gone. And so it would not shock me if we had a Kansas over Duke national championship. And if I have to make a pick, that's where I'm at right now. I, I, you just made a good point. This is a little bit of a three-year story for Kansas. And that's actually not something that you're hearing too much nationally. Um, yeah, this is, this is a seasoned team, this Kansas team. I've, I've liked them through the whole tournament, and uh, I think they're going to win. Now, I did want to do a little uh, – let's, let's draw back to last week. We were talking about teams that were left that still had value to win it all. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you recall or not, um, your guest pro picker – said Villanova at plus 1,400, plus 1,500. That person was me, by the way. They said, <laughs> they said, hey, that's a good price. And it was widely available. When, when, when the pod went live, that was a real number. That wasn't some you know, hokey number I was talking about from a month ago. That was an actionable number you could go bet at plenty of books. And sure enough, we're still sitting here. Uh, and... And look, if any team is a four-point or four-and-a-half-point dog can win straight up in the Final Four, it's Villanova. You know, like you said, everyone's a blue blood here. Villanova knows exactly what they're doing. Jay Wright's a great coach, great team D that can keep this game close with Kansas. A few lucky breaks 
And your 15 to one bet is now live in the finals. And, you know, I wouldn't hedge it, but you have plenty of opportunities to hedge, go the other way, you know, put a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks down on the other side. If Villanova is in fact, they're in the finals. So we'll see our value bet to win it all is still live with only four teams left. So I did notice it was interesting that Kansas opened as a three point or three and a half point favorite and that grew to a, a four and a half rather quickly. It bumped to a full point. I mean, do you think that was just the, the Justin Moore news having an impact on that line completely as from, yes. from the public or and Vegas playing off of that? Um, you know, there's a lot of big, you know, a, a lot of smart groups that make money, you know, they'll just tell you, Hey, we just play injury news, you know, not exclusively, but that's a big part you know, of their toolbox is, you know, look, Villanova, you know, one of their big dogs is out. This thing's three and a half. We're taking the other side. We are, we are just going to take the other side and we're going to fade the team that's going to be without a very good player. And, you know, the market is sort of determined that that's worth about one point, but look, you know, three and a half to four to, to four and a half, that's real value. And you spread that out over thousands of bets in a season and, and for these large groups, millions of dollars, that's real money. So, so I don't think that was just public. I think that was respected large groups. Basically, take Villanova without there. And then the market settled it from there. The market at that point said, okay, one point's what it's worth. Once those big groups hitting it aren't interested anymore in, in keeping to bet it, that's when the market settles and you kind of get to see what the guy's worth. Okay. Looking at the the odds for the national championship, uh, like we said, Duke, the favorite at plus 160-ish. <laughs> Depending upon the number you see, obviously one plus 155, 157, 160. Uh, Kansas around uh, plus 190, 180. Uh, Villanova uh, at about five, plus 500. North Carolina, North Carolina about plus 500. So Villanova and North Carolina seem to have about the same value. <clears throat> uh, whereas Duke and Kansas seem like the favorites to to get to the national championship game and to win. You, we've talked about Villanova. Do you still feel like if, if you were to put money on them now, let me ask a question. With the Justin Moore news, would you put money on Villanova now? Or do you, do you think one of the other teams is a better bet for winning the national championship at this point, based off of the numbers we have available? Uh, one of the better teams. Actually, from what you just read off, I would probably bet Kansas, personally. You know, um, I, I am not going to have real money down on that, but just, you know, for the sake of this conversation, those four teams, those odds, Kansas at plus 190 uh, really seems like the best bet. I mean, shoot, I mean, I, I assume some listeners – didn't follow along and, and take that MGM minus 175 final four bet on Kansas, but it's like, crap, if you did and you got the money, you just turn around and bet it on them now at plus 190. Uh, those are good odds. Look, they have a Vegas, j- just based on the lines alone, sports books are telling us Kansas has about a 68% chance to win the game on Saturday night. Look, if they draw North Carolina, they're going to be favorites again of about, you know, four to five points. So Kansas is in a good shot here. You know, they're only, the only situation that we kind of find them behind the eight ball is going to be if they play Duke. And the only way that line is going to be more than let's say three points is if, you know, 
Duke blows out North Carolina by 25 points or something, but Kansas and Duke both win. It's going to be a tight game, you know, uh, uh, two point, two and a half point spread, something like that. It'll be pretty darn close to a coin flip. So from what's left, Kansas plus 190. That seems like a good bet. I wouldn't touch Duke. Villanova plus 500. Yeah, I mean, we already got them at plus, you know, 15 to one. So we'll keep it there. And I think, I think North Carolina is going to lose. I mean, I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say there's any behind the scenes, you know, foul play to get Duke to the finals, but I do feel <laughs> like if there's, but, but look, but now, you know, let, let's, I don't think that's going on, but you've got some critical call with 58 seconds left. You know, is it going to go Duke's way or is it going to go North Carolina's way? I have a feeling those 50 50 calls will go Duke's way in the last minute or two. And I think we got a Kansas Duke finals coming up. I, I mean, that sounds, I, look, I hate this Duke North Carolina stuff because of just, bleh. but Kansas Duke in a national championship game. With, oh, it'd oh, be awesome. Pretty good. No, that's, that'd, be, that'd be great, man. It's like, like, look, no disrespect to the St. Peter's of the world, but like, I don't want to watch some finals where it's, you know, Duke is a 22 point favorite over 15 seed St. Peter's or something. It's like, come on, let me see good teams, good coaches. Again, it's no disrespect to St. P. I'm not, I don't want any of your New Jersey big 12 listeners to beat me up, but that's all. Give me a good game. I, I, uh, I love it. I, I, I'm typically a, I love all of it stuff, and I'm not typically a, like, I want to see the best of the best play each other. But yes, I won a good Final Four, and I won a good national championship game. And we've had really good national championship games. Um, I won a good national championship game. Whatever two teams are going to give us that. I'm going to laugh when we're sitting here watching North Carolina and Villanova in the national championship game. Uh, but um, I just want a good game. I want a good Final Four. I want something competitive. And uh, I love the St. Peter's run. I mean, the Elite Eight was... Okay, it wasn't. They weren't great games. They just weren't. No, no. You, we, we had competitive. We, we had, yeah. I, I was every single. There was one close game, right? There was there was one. Villanova Houston was a six point game, but it, it was only that close at the end. It was a much bigger gap before, like throughout most of the game. Like it it was the closest game, and it wasn't that close of a game. Yeah, that the the elite eight sweet sixteen was a ton of fun. Oh, elite eight, uh, elite eight really dropped off, I and mean, we just had you know blowout, blowout, blowout. It's like okay, great, great day one, oh, great yeah. sweet sixteen. If we get some classic final four games here, I, I still can't quite put this as maybe the best NCAA tournament, but if we get some good classic final four match games here, like we could have this, this could be one to to hang in the rafters. So. Daniel, you've been awesome as always. I always appreciate it. I look forward to, uh, hopefully everything pays out for you. I know you're going to enjoy the games this weekend. Um, oh, yeah. Hey, any listeners, I just want to throw it out there. Uh, I'm going to be at Circa this weekend. Please, you know, hit me up. Hit my DMs, any listeners. If you guys are also going to be in Vegas or Circa, I'll buy you a drink. Just say what's up. Uh, we can talk Big 12. We can just enjoy the games. Whatever. I'll be with a, a pretty big crew there watching the game. So anyone listening hit me up. You're welcome to join and just hang out. Uh, that would be at Danner B seven D a N N E R B seven on Twitter. Go, uh, go give Daniel a follow. We suggest you do puts out great tips all the time. 
Uh, I know he's got plenty of soccer betting that he's he's dealing with right now as well yeah. with college basketball season <laughs> wrapping up. Uh, it's about to be slow time, sir. Slow slow season for you. Oh, I mean, if anyone's uh, if anyone wants a glimpse into the life um, as we are recording this podcast, I'm uh, I'm sweating England League Two and a couple World Cup friendlies right now. So that's uh, <laughs> a day in the life. The Kansas men's basketball program is two wins away from a national championship. And I can't think of a better way for fans to help their team out than by going and shopping at Homefield Apparel. A little Homefield magic can go a long way, especially this Saturday in the Final Four against Villanova, and then potentially Monday against either Duke or North Carolina. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Shop their amazing Kansas Jayhawk collection. It is it is fantastic. It really, really is. It was part of Big New Saturday Season 3 fantastic lineup i love my shirt i'm actually rocking my cowgirls shirt my pistol patty shirt right now they've got oklahoma state texas west virginia texas tech baylor iowa state houston cincinnati ucf byu they've got more than a hundred schools available with logos and vintage designs for schools you don't care about but for shirts you're going to want to own t-shirts sweaters and hoodies the most comfortable t-shirts sweaters and hoodies you have ever tried on Connor and the gang over there at Homefield knock every single release out of the park. Don't forget to follow them on Twitter. They are the good brand. They are the sentient brand. The best brand on social media. I, I, I kid you not. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 for 15% off your first order. Let me say that again. NETWORK12, net W-O-R-K-1-2 gets you 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. I just had a buddy text me last week. He had never bought before. Him and his wife decided it was time about four brand new shirts, including the Strut of Destiny, the incredible St. Peter shirt you're going to want to own. Mine is on the way. So go to homefieldapparel.com, Network 12, 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you have ever seen this year. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, My co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week, and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. The basketball season is essentially wrapped up with just Kansas left. So we can start turning our attention to football. Spring ball is underway for every team across the Big 12. And, and obviously we have a lot of questions for every team, but some that have kind of stuck out more than others. So I want to I want to talk about a few of mine with a first time guest that I'm very happy to have here on the 1012. Robbie Triano, producer at a SiriusXM's College Big 12 radio show. Robbie, welcome to the show, man. It's been a long time coming. Obviously, I've been following you guys for quite a bit, and uh, I'm glad I can finally share these takes with another Big 12 fan. Yeah, you know, I like to get as many uh, Big 12 voices as we can on here. Uh, and just, look, 
The Big 12 doesn't get enough love. And I know I'm biased and I know, and that's fine. I'm happy to admit as such. Uh, but I, I think enough of us understand like the Big 12 deserves more love than it gets. I think I think the national media has had its fun with the kind of raining down on the Big 12 parade over the last, I don't know, eight, nine months since OU and Texas announced they're leaving. So the more mm-hmm. we can push the Big 12 narrative, the more, I'm, the more happier I am. Yeah, agreed. And it's it gives me a chuckle every time I go on Twitter and I see someone talking about Big 12 defenses and how they still stink. And it's like, OK, well, you're clearly not watching because you if you wouldn't say that if you actually watched what's happening. And then I'm seeing these graphics of what the teams are or what the conferences are going to make in the next five years. And they're like laughing ass like, haha, the Big 12 is making less money. And it's like, what are you rooting for? You're, what what exactly like is someone being beaten their chest like yeah our conference makes millions more and it's stupid the big 12 is an awesome conference we have amazing teams when it comes to football it's incredibly entertaining when it comes to basketball i think it is the most entertaining so give us some some so give us some damn respect this is a fun ass conference with a lot of awesome fan bases absolutely absolutely agree uh so like i said we're gonna talk spring football today obviously a lot of questions and for some team more than others you know, as I sat down and started kind of preparing for this, usually we come into a season and you have questions for every team, but it, but it feels like usually there's a few teams where you feel more confident in heading into the following season, even in spring ball with, with everything that's changed through the years, the transfer portal, players moving in and out. It still feels like there's a couple of teams each year, usually whoever is bringing back the most that you feel, okay, I feel pretty good about this. And when I started to sit down for this, like there are teams like Baylor who I have fewer questions about than others but i i don't i don't feel like there's a, a really any teams where i come in and say i don't have like three or four questions about like i feel the least confident in whatever i decide to make my preseason prediction this year that i have in a long time yeah i agree and for me we were discussing this on big 12 today and we were trying to gauge if we were to pick the favorites in this conference for next year, we decided on four teams and it's Oklahoma, Baylor. I think, I think we can confidently say those. And then we say Oklahoma state and then Texas. But to be honest, I think those can be all interchangeable. I think those teams have the most talent, but it's really, I think this is the first time in a while where the King has been knocked off Oklahoma. They got knocked off last year. And I will say there's uncertainty because of a new coach and a lot of new things going there but they have a lot of talent. So this is the first time we're seeing Baylor emerge. They just won the big 12 championship. And it really does feel like each team can be optimistic or talk themselves into, you know, what? this could be the year we actually break in for that. So I think this, this year coming up is intriguing. And I think a lot of teams have a lot of turnover, like even with Baylor and Oklahoma state, they're losing a lot of good talent. And I trust Mike Gundy and David Randa, but they are losing some, great talent especially on the defensive end of the ball so it it is I think an incredibly intriguing league and I'm starting to finally piece together what I'm putting more faith in and what I need to know more about a team this spring yeah I, I wouldn't say that the league is the most wide open it's been but I do feel like this conference is I, f- I feel the least confident I have in a long time in trying to to set predictions I almost I feel better like grouping teams together in in tiers than I right. do any sort of formal like one through ten order. Um, well, let me I'm gonna let you go first here. Um, 
What is what is one big question you have for a team in the Big 12 as spring ball gets underway? I think the team that has the most question marks right now is Iowa State. I do not know what that team is going to look like, especially after a year where we thought this could this team could be a potential college football playoff team. And we put a lot of expectation on them. And now they lose majority of those amazing players that we thought could do that. They lose Brees Hall. They lose Brock Purdy. They lose Charlie Kohler. They lose Chase Allen. They lose Mike Rowe. They lose Greg Nisruth. Like, this is a team. I don't know what this depth looks like. I don't know what exactly this offense is going to look like. I don't know who is waiting or who has been in the depth to emerge. Matt Campbell is very sealed about his program. I feel like like the only time we talked to him on Big 12 radio is media days. And besides that, he does not talk to media that much. So this is a team I just have no idea what they're going to look like. You could tell me they are one of the three worst teams in the conference, and I believe you. And you could tell me by the end of the year, they could be a top five team, and I'd also believe you. So this is a team I just need to understand who is who is playing. Who is playing for this team and who can step up? And I trust Matt Campbell a lot. I think last year was obviously a disappointment. I believe in him, but I, that's a team. I have so many question marks just because I don't know who is going to step up for that team. Yeah. I feel confident the defense will still be good. Like I feel confident. I would say they will have a, a top five in the big 12 defense year in and year out. But outside of Xavier Hutchinson coming back on offense, I'm like, I got nothing. And, and he was, really good in spots last year. But outside of that, I'm like, okay. I, I So I have I have too many questions about Iowa State to have a question about Iowa State. It's kind of the way I felt. Um, one team, as we get further into the offseason that I'm becoming more and more intrigued by and maybe a little bit higher on, and I feel like it, that that's just going to keep rising, is Texas Tech. And I can't tell if I'm just drinking the Joey McGuire Kool-Aid or I... It's and it's very not joyous Maguire. Kool-Aid. He's a very joyous man, so it's, it's a good a, Kool-Aid is, to drink. That is a happy Kool-Aid. Uh, <laughs> it, my confidence with Tech has never for so much been about Joey McGuire. It has been about the offensive or the coaching staff that he put together. Um, and while look, quarterback's gonna be the fun question for Texas Tech, because I think this is the best, the deepest quarterback room with Tyler Shuck, Donovan Smith. And Baron Morton, this is the deepest quarterback they've ever they've had since 2016. Now, I'm not comparing. I'm not saying any of these guys are Baker Mayfield or Patrick Mahomes. Don't don't say that. But I do think right. this is the best quarterback room they've had in a long time, and I have a lot of confidence in new OC Zach Kittley, who's coming over from from Western Kentucky, and what he's going to do. But while while quarterback is interesting, and, and the battle between Shuck and Donovan Smith, and, and I would pick Donovan Smith, um, I'm more interested in the in the offensive line here because I don't care what quarterback they go with, like. If the offensive line is as bad as it was last year, it's not going to matter. Now, obviously, Kitley brought in his offensive line coach, uh, Stephen Hembley, over from Western Kentucky with him. I always like seeing OCs bring a, their offensive line coach with them. It's becoming a something more of a trend, which I think makes sense. There's a there's a built-in communication between the, arguably outside the quarterback, the most important position group with the guy who's running the offense. I'm really intrigued by the offensive line. It wasn't great last year. They lost three starters. Um, they do bring back... Um, Oh my gosh, I just uh West Wright, which I think is good. Um, more importantly, 
You get in UT Martin transfer Michael Shanahan, who should I think starts is going to expect to start at center, which will be nice. You bring in Cole Spencer from Western Kentucky. Guy was a first all first team all conference conference USA last year, so he's going to understand all the language that Kitley and Himley want to use, which is huge. I my optimism with Texas Tech is going to be purely built around if there is real confidence in this offensive line heading in the season, and that's what I want to talk about most at Big Twelve Media's this days this year is like how. Where where do you feel that group is at? If there's real confidence in the offensive line, I might bump up Texas Tech a couple of spots in where I where I would rank them preseason because look, he, I have a lot of faith in what Kitley's going to do on this offense um, with the talent they have at quarterback. That even if the defense is kind of the same, if that offensive line is better, I think Tech can have a, a, an improved season. Yeah, I have a I have a couple of things to say there, and I want to start with the offensive line and his Joey McGuire's philosophy because we've had him on the show and when it came to looking we were talking about his recruiting class and over half the recruiting class was the line of scrimmage defensive line offensive line I think he understands like in order to play elite level you need to be great on that line of scrimmage basically he was like he wants to get bigger he wants to get that SEC type of body type and I am happy he immediately acknowledged that and then he went in the transfer portal and did that so I am happy he did that and Zach, Zach Kitley, we had him on the show. He is 30 years old. That offensive coordinator, he is going to be a head coach one day. He was incredibly impressive. And he said something so simple, but it blew my mind. And we asked him, what is your offense going to look like? And he was like, we're going to play the best 11 players all the time. And it's so simple to hear that. Like coaches want to be like, well, you know what? We're going to pass this and do this. And he's like, we're going to play the best 11 players and we're going to center everything around that. And I think with that quarterback room that they have, that gives them a lot of flexibility to do a lot of things. Cause I am very high on Donovan Smith. I loved his game uh, against Mississippi state in the bowl game. I am very high in this team as well. And I've placed the, the sticker of uh, the surprise team in the big 12, because I do believe in what they are doing. And I, think they inherited a not a great roster, but they inherited a good roster for Matt Wells. That team, that team was a bowl team and that was under Matt Wells. And I'm sad that he had to go. He was great on the show, but it's clear that Texas tech needed a shot in the arm and needed a new direction. And I think Joey McGuire is the right guy to have his team buy in. And I believe that this first year is going to surprise a lot of people in the league. And I think when we look at the new look big 12, I think Texas tech is set up in a very, very good position. Yeah. They had a talented roster last year and, and I didn't buy in because I just didn't buy into Matt Wells all that much and, and what they had done, but the, he had, he had no problems in, in getting talent to Lubbock. And so you've already seen Joey McGuire do a pretty good job on the recruiting trail, which you would expect. That's part of why you brought in a guy with the connections mm-hmm. in the state of Texas that you would. So I, I am very intrigued by Texas Tech this year. I, I, that is a team I am I really want to deep dive into and, pay, and keep a close eye on. Um, Oklahoma State. You, have, you can ask quite a few questions about Oklahoma State. Um, oh, yeah. Running back is going to be a, a question, though not I'm, I'm not as concerned as I was last year. Thankfully, you know, Jalen Warren rose up. I'm, they've got enough talent there at running back, I believe, this year that I'm not concerned that somebody good will rise where I'm really intrigued by is, is the defensive backfield. I know linebacker is going to be a big story because you lose Devin Harper and you lose Malcolm Rodriguez, but you basically lost your entire starting defensive backfield. Your corners and your, your safeties are, are gone. 
Jerry Pernod Converse, Christian Holmes, Trey Sterling, Colby Harville Peel, Tanner McAllister. Bye to all of you. Um, I'm really curious what this looks like because he, the thing that I, you we identify with Jim Knowles' defense early on was that they needed a lockdown corner cover or cover corner. And if they had one, they could do everything else they wanted. If they could have one corner that could, on an island, take care of his man, then you could throw everything else you wanted at at the opposing offense. And it worked. We saw that. And every year it was like, I don't know if they're going to have that. I don't know if they're going to have that. 2019 was A.J. Green. He was fantastic. 2020, Rodarius Williams. He stepped up and was fantastic. Last year was Christian Holmes. He stepped up and was fantastic. And every year they've been able to have one. Now, obviously, you have a new defensive coordinator in Derek Mason and the scheme's going to obviously change some. We don't know what that's going to look like, which is a really interesting question. But I really want to know. I, I trust that the safeties will be okay. We've seen in a reserve role, uh, Jason Taylor be a playmaker. I'm really high on Thomas Harper. Kendall Daniels was a former four-star. A lot of people are really high on him. I, I think the safety room is is has a lot of depth, and, and somebody will step up. At corner, it's Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad are the two guys I think are going to end up starting at corner for them. Who's going to be that next guy? That next guy that is probably not going to be a first-team All-Big 12 because teams just aren't going to throw at him like the last three guys were uh, because they just don't want to deal with that heat. I think OSU has an underrated corner room to put, cornerback room to every single year, and they seem to find one guy who steps up. Your cornerback coach is still here. It's the same guy coach in that room. So I'm really curious what this defensive backfield looks like because i think it's going to dictate how good oklahoma state season is more than anything else on this team is do they have a huge step back at safety and corner or is it a small step back or is it no step back at all no i totally agree and that that is one of the question marks i have about this team and yesterday we had mike gundy on the show uh he is a he is i can't believe he's your head coach he is the most entertaining person in the world and we all we all know that but he, we asked him about Derek Mason and, you know, when these coaches get asked about that, they want to be like, oh, he's exceptional. He's amazing. Like, I can't believe I found this guy. And this is the first time I've heard someone be like, I'm, I'm pleased, but I still need to get to know him more. Like, like I've, we just started this process and he's like, I'm pleased with what he's doing as a leader, but I still need to get to know him more. But then he reassured by saying, we're not just going to go away from the Jim Knowles style of defense and just do what he's doing. Like he, he is aware of that. The Jim Knowles style definitely worked. And he is telling Derek, like, we're going to take some of your principles, but we are going to run this thing here because we know it works here. This is what we're doing. And from what Gundy said, Derek Mason has bought into that. And so I'm very confident about that. A question mark, that doesn't exist is what is happening on that defensive line. I think that Oklahoma state should be very confident about what is happening with their defensive line. And he, he reassured that trace forward will be ready for the season. I've been very impressed with him. And that is a group. I think whoever is going to win this conference this year is going to have the best line scrimmage. And that is Baylor and Oklahoma state. They've proven to be very solid on that end. So if you're an Oklahoma state fan, I agree. The secondary is a little troublesome. I also am intrigued by the lack of transfers that they've gotten, which is, I believe, zero. So Mike Gundy obviously must love his depth or must love the people waiting in line. So I, I, I believe there are question marks, but I think just because they lost Jim Knowles doesn't mean it's time to, to say, oh, the defense is going to stink again. I think they're going to be just as good. It's very Gundy. You know, you run, you hire offensive coordinators. They come to run Oklahoma State's offense. 
Now you hire defensive coordinators that come to run an Oklahoma State's defense, which, you know, it, it's right. it's a different philosophy from like Kitley we were talking about, who is we're going to put the 11 best 11 guys and do whatever fits them. Yeah. Well, she says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make it fit. So uh, no defensive transfers. OSU did bring in three offensive line transfers this past weekend after three guys came. To that's much it, needed. Is, that is much needed. Oh, that that's where they needed the help was definitely on the offensive line. Okay. Uh, Robbie. Where do you want to go here? Who, who's another team you've got a big question about? Uh, one of the best question marks in this entire league this year. And I am so intrigued to watch this man play football, but I am so intrigued about Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. I think this is, besides Quinn Ewers, this is the thing I am the most intrigued about this spring to watch because this is, I think, a prototypical Kansas State quarterback. Tough, gritty, can run. And he actually has players around him who can make plays. I like Malik Knowles. He obviously has Deuce Vaughn, who I think is the second best running back in the league this year behind Bijan. And the thing that we were talking about yesterday that is so intriguing is Colin Klein is his offensive coordinator. And that man, we got to discuss his stats in his past, in his last two seasons at Kansas state, he had 50 rushing touchdowns. Like, obviously, I think he's going to do some of what he did and put it into Adrian Martinez. And I think that he's going to have a lot more help on the offensive line. Obviously, the biggest question mark is his turnovers. And he is a very polarizing quarterback when it comes to that in his time at Nebraska. But I am I am bought in to what that will look like at Kansas State. But I am intrigued. I am very, very intrigued on how that's going to work. But I am very optimistic about Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. Uh, during the climbing era, they were 17-10 and 10 with Skylar Thompson, 3-6 and six without him. Um, I think they had to bring in a transfer. I'm not a Will Howard guy. I, I understand it's 100%. it's the backup thing. That's fine. Um, I, he had opportunities, and I never saw enough from him in a single game even to say, like, that guy, that guy right there. I just I I never saw it. So I thought this was a good a good move. Obviously he is not healthy. So the problem with the situation for for Kansas State is like, I don't know how much we're gonna learn this spring about Adrian Martinez. It might be the fall before we get there. Right. Which for Kansas State, another spring without a healthy starting quarterback. Yes, he's gonna be the starting quarterback. Uh I'm I'm curious for Kansas State. I got a couple couple big questions. One, similar to Oklahoma State, the defensive backfield. They lost a lot of guys from last year. Um, Russ East is gone. John McPherson, Reggie Stubfield, Ross Elder, all gone. They've got a whole backfield to replace. That interests me. But but more importantly is, when we talk about Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn, who, who else? Can you provide me with one other playmaker other than Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State? Because until they do, and if you tell me, well, it's Adrian Martinez, it's going to be his legs. Great. I need another guy aside from quarterback and Deuce Vaughn, who's going to step up and be a true playmaker for Kansas State. I need a guy who you're like that, that that receiver, that guy. He is going to go out the field and he's going to. If we need a third down, we're going to go to him. We need somebody to beat their man. That's the guy. Like they have got to find a second playmaker on offense aside from Deuce Vaughn. As good as Deuce Vaughn is, uh, even when teams are keying on him, he still finds success, but they have got to find somebody else. And I don't know who that's going to be this year. That, that's my biggest question mark for them is just, even if Adrian Martinez is good and Deuce Vaughn's Deuce Vaughn again, you, you need that. You need the third head for the three-headed monster, or you're going to have that goofy three-headed dragon meme of like angry, angry goober. Yeah. A question for you is, 
about Chris Kleiman and the Chris Kleiman era so far, because I believe they are a good team, but they have not done anything to really be like, you know, that's a team in the top of the Big 12. I believe they're incredibly well coached. I do think there is a talent gap between them and the top of the Big 12 in terms of true people who can make plays. But what has been your read about the Chris Kleiman era? And if you were in the shoes of a Kansas State fan, would you, are you, are you happy right now with the coach you have? I think with Kleiman, I think sometimes you can be a victim of your own success and they were surprisingly good in year one, had that eight and five season, knock off Oklahoma. Um, and so it built expectations quickly and early for Kansas State. You had an injury-plagued COVID year. I want to kind of like scoot that one out of the way. And then and then last year was, again, you're dealing with quarterback injuries. And, and we've mentioned the quarterback stat. Their lack of success without Skylar Thompson and Skylar Thompson's injury issues, I almost think that along with just the injury issues they've had at Kansas State, it's not just the talent discrepancy because, look, the recruiting rankings aren't great for Kansas State. They've never been awesome, but they're not very good right now. And that would be my biggest concern if you have a mark against climate is is where the recruiting classes are ranked. But it's not just the, the talent issue. It's the lack of depth behind it. When they lose guys... It hurts a lot. And so my concern with climate is I think the coaching is there. And I think when they have their guys, they're a well-coached, solid, pain-in-the-ass team to play. And I think that's what you want from Kansas State and climate. I think they have a mentality that fits Kansas State. They have got to fix their their talent issue. But more importantly, they got to fix their depth of talent issue. Because if they're just going to continue to have injuries derail seasons at a certain point, like you can say injuries are fluke. But if you're going to continue to have injuries, you know that's a case and you're not doing something to, to fix the problem when they occur, then that's ultimately going to be his downfall. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, too. And if Chris Kleiman was at a school where you have more resources, I think we could appreciate him more as a great coach. Like I remember watching the Oklahoma game last year, even though they lost like that. Was, they played their ass off like that was an incredible game. And I thought the fact that Skylar Thompson on this bum leg didn't get sacked one time, like just shows the buy-in from his team to be like, you know, we're actually going to protect you. So I, I, I do believe in the Chris Kleiman era and I just love Kansas state fans in general too. I think they are a passionate group of people and uh, I, I am in on this Chris Kleiman era, but when it comes to talent, like they are not there. They are, they are just not at that level where we can finally put them at the top of the big 12. And I hope they prove me wrong this year. Yeah, I just I keep waiting. Um, they've got to figure out recruiting somehow. They they absolutely do. Robbie, who else you got? Ah, uh, I can't believe we've gone this far and we haven't mentioned this team is Texas Longhorns. Uh, I think they have, in terms of intrigue of teams in the Big Twelve, they are by far at number one at the list, maybe in the country, and it all has to do with Quinn Ewers. And it is every single year the hype train and the Kool Aid for Kansas by every media voter is chugged to the point where they're they're passed out drunk in the corner. The, I think it's going to happen again this year, but this time I think I'm more optimistic. I think, although I don't like rooting for Texas and Oklahoma because they betrayed us and we hate them, uh, I do believe in what is happening here. I do believe the buy-in for year two will be much better. I can't believe Gary Patterson. I mean, that's an, that's another huge question. Gary Patterson is going to be helping with that defense. Like, that is so weird. And seeing him squat doing the, the horns up with uh, Ochai Mathis made me puke everywhere. But 
I, there is a lot of questions with that team. Number one is quarterback. Number two is what that defense is going to look like because it can't look any worse. I mean, they were very, very bad last year. So my my main question is where where do I put expectation for this team? If I say Big 12 championship, am I going too far? Because they do have the talent and they do have Steve Sarkeesian, even though last year wasn't good and they lost to bleeping Kansas. Like he has success. So like my question is where should I put the expectation for Texas? Because if I think best case scenario, this team can be one of the best in college football, but obviously that hasn't happened historically. So I'm not going to put any stock into that. Yeah. I don't know if I just haven't put as much time into Texas partially because, and I think it's subconsciously because they're leaving. So I'm more interested in the schools that are staying. And that doesn't mean I don't care about Texas. They're here. Um, I just I feel like we spend a lot of time on Texas every off season. Like, oh, is this going to be the year? And this year, I'm just like, you know what? Uh, it's taken this long, but I'm like, uh, we're just going to see what they do. Fatigue with a lot of people, yeah. Being like, you know what? I'm not getting burned again. Like, I hope there's some voters that are like, I'm not putting you top five again. I'm not putting you in the top ten because every time I do that, some some person on Twitter at the end of the year tags me, and be like, you did this. So yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to get burned by that. I would almost rather Texas fans call me out for for putting them too low in the preseason poll than everyone else being like, why why did you put them third? I'm like, I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not. The talent is there. Until someone can put that talent together. And I think this is the most talented. I mean, as well as Tom Herman coached or recruited at Texas, the offensive line talent's there. The defensive line talent's there. You've got Quinn Ewert. Like, there's folks. There's there. honestly no excuses this year if they're not good. Because I think offensively they have weapons, and, and what, what's I love good? Xavier. Let's let's define: is good a bowl game? Is good seven wins or is good nine wins? Uh, I think if they don't win, if they're not in the, the Big Twelve championship conversation, I think it's a bad year for them. Because I think talent-wise, like they have to be better. Like 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 they are just they are better. Like we're talking about Kansas State here, like. That is a team that is very well coached, but the talent gap between them and Texas is is immense. So this has to be the year. If Steve Sarkeesian can't show this, then I honestly think Texas fans are going to turn real quick because you have the best running back possibly in the entire country. You have this quarterback that everyone is saying is like the future, and you finally have the like you have a mind like Gary Patterson helping your defense, and you have these wideouts that are great. If you can't do it, then it's just impossible at Texas. You just have to hire Mac Brown again and then run that over again. Like if you're a Texas fan, if you don't do, if you don't even make the big 12 championship game, I would be like, what are we doing? What, what is happening? Are we cursed? Like what is happening? The most insulting thing about the Gary Patterson photo is that it takes him going to the team. He's basically treated like his sworn nemesis to get him to do the things that had he done at TCU he'd probably still be the head coach there. Like right. the mentality change he had to have to go and do those things at Texas. Had he done those at TCU, he's probably still there. They're probably having more success. But instead he has to go to Texas to do goofy, weird stuff and seem more likable. And, and maybe it's just a PR move. He's like, hey, go do this photo. Everyone's going to think you're cool again. It's like, well, we don't, but whatever. Uh, but just like, why did it? He's like the friend that, like, if they break up with their girlfriend and, like, he's sad about it and he wants to spite them, now he's, like, going in pictures of other people or showing, like, I'm doing just fine, guys. (laughs) So it feels like he is trying to – 
I think there's a lot of spite in him. I think he's still very upset about what happened to TCU. We talked to Sonny Dykes during signing day, and we asked him, like, have you talked to Gary Patterson? And he was like, no, Gary has not reached out to me. So the guy who was basically the face of this entire university has not reached out to the new head coach. It's clear he's upset about it. And I think him joining Texas, the team, he just constantly was smacking the last nine years. And doing that, I really think like some of it is trying to spit in TCU's face. And obviously he is there. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with Chris Del Conte as the AD, former AD of TCU. But uh, when I saw that, it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what are we when we when would we ever see uh, Gary Patterson doing the hook'em? And I think like stats of war, Parker Fleming just like probably puked everywhere all over his chest when he saw that. I couldn't, oh, I can't, I would love to be in the room when he saw that. It is any animated, ridiculous, like throw up, just disgusting scene you've ever created in, in your imagination. That's, that's our good friend Parker. Um, Rafi, I'm going to get you out of here on this. A um, little bit off topic, but we've heard conversations about what the Big 12 is going to look like in the future. Obviously, we don't know when Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. I know the, the messaging right now is they're going to be here till the end, and I'll believe it when it's 2035 and they're still here. Um, but what we understand is that at the moment, and we've talked about divisions is the move for football. We're going to have two divisions, right? But as we understand, that's not set in stone yet. And there is at least one Big 12 athletic director who is pushing what we like to call the uh, protected rivalries model, which is a set number of teams that you play, your rivalry games that you play each year, and then you rotate through the rest of the schedule, which is what we think you should do, which is we mm-hmm. here at the 10-12 advocate Four is what we are now calling the protected rivalries model. Now, I don't want to get down the wormhole of whose rivalries you should protect because then you get this whole messaging gets lost in the mud. What we want to focus on is no divisions because we don't need the winners of the two divisions playing the championship game. You want protected rivalries rotating through to make scheduling more flexible based off of who, what kind of matchups we might want to see the following year, as well as making sure that the two best teams in the conference face off in the conference championship game. I think that is the best thing for the big 12. I hate talking about it, but both with the current playoff model and the future playoff model is ensuring that the two best teams are in that game every year. I'm curious from you, which do you prefer the divisions model or the protected rivalries model? I definitely prefer the latter. I think that the best two teams should play in the playoffs every year. I don't care if you just won this division. I I, I do believe the best two teams with the best record should play. It is going to get tricky with the scheduling type type of thing. And one one aspect I'm I'm very intrigued about is like how often is BYU gonna play West Virginia? That travel is intense. So I'm wondering how they're going to schedule that. We had an idea of four pods, but then we're just like we're just overcomplicating this entire thing. So like we did it based on, you know, region and stuff like that. So I'm intrigued how they're going to uh, cycle the games. I think it's going to be just like per year, but I do believe you have to keep the rivalries. That is 100% why we love college football. I'm a Michigan State fan. If we stop playing Michigan, I think my incentive to be a fan just decreases so much. Like it just just so much. If that game is ever taken away, it, it I the amount I care as a fan, like there's one weekend that I like see as a holy weekend and it is that. So we need we need to keep that. That is what makes college football great. That's why if we go to a super league, I think we lose that. And it's all, it, 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 
So I'm I'm very much in agreement that no divisions. I think we should just have the top two teams play, and that that's it's worked in this Big Twelve. That's the one thing I'm going to miss the most is the round robin has been awesome. Mm-hmm. You play one team, and you play each team, and then you you pick the winner. You you pick who the top two teams is the most fair way to do it. I'm I I wish that we could keep that, but obviously the growth of this conference is the most important. And I, I know you probably feel the same way, but the direction of what this conference is going to be is great from what the job Bob Bowlesby had to do in order to fix everything. Like there was a time people were saying, you know, the American is going to swallow the big 12 looking back like that's hilarious, but it, it for what happened with OU and Texas leaving to now, I couldn't be more pumped about the direction of the big 12. And you could say four or five programs could dominate the conference for the next decade or two when it happens. And I could agree with, or I could see it for most of it. So uh, definitely no divisions. Yeah. I, I think give everybody three annual rivalry games, three teams you play every year, home and away, back and forth, and then rotate through everybody else. And I, yeah. I don't do scheduling. So in my mind, it's easy. But I mean, to me, you can project, if we're scheduling non-conference games, 20 years ahead of time. Like, I feel like you can kind of preset who you're going to play when. So teams have right. an idea and then you announce the schedule the year before. So I mean, in my opinion, yeah, you're looking, to that, teams, looking forward to that Oklahoma state Alabama game when I'm like, <laughs> like 20 years. Like I, fe- the, I can't believe they're doing that. I can't believe in like 2034. It's like, yeah, Alabama. I cannot get excited for that right now. I'm, I could be dead by then. I assume the universe will have imploded by that point. Yeah, because of us, but you know, <laughs> yeah. so we, we did found ourselves. a way to. Hey, we made warp speed, and now we're all dead. Uh, so, uh, Robbie, you've been awesome. Thank you so much, man. We are absolutely going to do this again, first time, uh, but not the last time, bud. Uh, big fan. Appreciate you having me. On. Hey, no problem. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, where can everybody check out the work you do covering the Big Twelve? So we are on SiriusXM channel three seventy five. If you have a chance to get a subscription, highly recommend. Uh, we have two shows: Big Twelve this morning and Big Twelve today. Uh, a lot of great, awesome content there. Some of the best coaches in the league, some of the greatest pundits. We have it on. So when you're not listening to this podcast here, go over there, and you can find me personally on Twitter at the Triano Kid. Sometimes I like to talk Big Twelve stuff there. Podcast Network.